Dr. Lisa gives a shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How's it going? I care. I really do. If you ever want to get in touch with me and like you need somebody to care about you, you know, reach out to me on Twitter. It's at Dr. Dr. Lisa Levy SP. The SP is for self-proclaimed. So thanks for listening in. Thanks for listening to uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm going to get the, uh, you know, the uh, chore out of the way. It, it's not, it shouldn't be a chore, but, you know, it's, we got to like let you know about our, our, um, I'm going to tell you about our radio, our apps. We have an app. We have an app. So, you know, what's great about the station. I'm just going to get this out of the way so I can talk about myself and then introduce you to our guests <laughs> a little bit. Okay. So the thing is, is that we have this app and it's so great because the station is so varied and various. It's kind of like having the most fascinating friend like in on your phone at any time. Like if you're bored, you can just turn us on and you'll never know what you're going to get. Kind of like the way your best friend probably is when you call them. Never know what you're going to get, right? So uh, just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone or RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android and uh, download our app and uh, carry us around. Think of me when you do it, okay? Go, you can you can listen to my phone. My, uh, you know, it's on Podomatic and iTunes and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so I'm get, we're going to get started in a minute. But, I, you know, I had this insight I wanted to share. Well, to me, it's an insight. You know, I mean, everything's an insight to me, you know, because it's me. But maybe maybe this will help you. You know, I, uh, I got a lot of projects going on. And uh, this is the time of year I take on this actual paying gig where I don't get paid too much, but I do go to an office and do some kind of work that involves making things that I like. You know, it's not, it's, it's a, it's a craft type skill. And, uh, but you know, it really puts a uh, log jam into my uh, scheduling and everything else. I, I got to work around it. So what I, what it does do though, folks, is really help me edit out of my life what isn't totally essential. And it does clarify for me, like what is super, super important. And I actually have gotten two big things done in the past week. The worst chores ever. Uh, I had this fire and I had to catalog all my personal belongings. It's a long story. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. But that was horrible, horrible. And I got it done. There you go. So, you know, mind over matter. And I hope that inspires you because I, I feel inspired by it myself. Okay. I am. Was that a sneeze from one of our guests? <clears throat> that was a cough. Yeah. That was a cough? That's how we're going to introduce the guests today. By their, <laughs> coughing, uh, uh, by their coughing. Maybe somebody will burp or... I don't want to say fart because these are classy. I have classy people on been here. Been sneezing a lot lately. I think. Have you? This allergies? Yeah. Yeah. That's Chris my, Rogie. My He's people. the. So we're going to talk about this film today uh, with the with the uh, director and producer of this film. It's called uh, Reconstructing Annie, and I'm uh, going to tell you about it in a second. But the director is Chris Rogie. Hi, Chris. Hello. Can you say say that again? Hello. Okay, I was just checking the level there, making sure you were loud enough for us. And uh, and then we also have the producer, who's lovely, Bria Cole. Hello. 
Did, hello? <laughs> hello. She said hello. See, these people, look how friendly they are, huh? And anyway, so they made this film, uh, which is super, super interesting, actually. And I'm going to try and explain it to you, and then they can critique how I explained it. So these two lovely, uh, I'm going to say young people, because to me they look young. Are you guys under 30? No. Okay. <laughs> no, they look they look like they're in that very youthful twenty or late 20s, early 30s, early 30s. Look, they're both very attractive. I've already quizzed them. They're taken. So forget it. And they're not dating each other. So th- I just want to get that out of the way because that's the most important thing. Uh, anyway, so they were invited, I think, or they are they made a documentary about another film. And the film that they made the documentary about is a really interesting film. It's called My Annie Hall. And it's produced by a couple who are actually dating, right? Elise Sachs and Matt Starr. And uh, these guys, the people here, and Matt and, and Elise, they're all in the same, like... You sorry, know. it's Ellie. Ellie, Ellie, sorry. Elise Oh, it's Ellie? How did I get... Well, you know, what do I know? (laughs) What do I know? I'm no expert on this. Anyway, uh, so they all do... You guys do experimental film, right? Is that what you call it? Experimental film. You went to the new school. Expect documentaries, stuff like that, right? Right? Yeah, Yeah. sure. Like like you're pushing boundaries. Can we say that? I got young people in here pushing boundaries. Fabulous. So anyway, the film, the film that, uh, the original film called My Annie Hall was a film made by this couple and they went to Lenox Hill scene, scene, neighborhood house, neighborhood house and got genuine old people. I'm not going to say seniors because that's a euphemism and we don't use euphemisms on Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I prefer elderly people or elders. They, they, Altacacas. As us Jews say, Altacacas. Did I still, can, does my Yiddish sound right? No, you got it. I got it. Okay, so the old farts. They use old farts. And uh, these old farts sound really, really interesting. And I encourage you, I posted the pilot of this documentary that um, Bri- Bria and, uh, and, and, and Chris made on my Facebook page. So you can go look at it right now if you want to. But anyway, so it's a really fascinating thing that was made. And then the documentary about making it is the, is, see how it's like a movie within a movie within a movie. Okay. Why don't you explain it, Bria? Cause I, I'm, I'm all over the place on this. You explain what you did. Uh, well, I think it helps to go back to the, the original concept birth by Matt and Ellie together. Um, Matt um, started watching old movies with his grandmother uh, and she has Alzheimer's and watching old movies was a way for them to uh, participate and have a conversation and play with each other. Um, And when Ellie heard about this, it became this workshop called the Interpretive Cinema Workshop and they would go to Lennox Hill neighborhood house to engage a whole community of old farts, uh, to look at old texts and like make a movie. And it turned into like a summer production of remaking Annie Hall. Um, it was perfect. It was in the same neighborhood. Um, it was on location. It was summertime. It's about love. It's about New York. 
And we have been part of that production behind the scenes, rehearsals. We were there every weekend, every production. Um, and we have the benefit of expanding the story into each person's lives and seeing them outside the production, like what the old farts and like Matt and Allie are like in real life and how it comes together into making this their own movie, remaking something that's New York based. Wow. So it's kind of like as a documentary, it has two stories. It has the story about making of the movie and um, Matt and uh, Ellie, Mm -hmm. Ellie's relationship. But then it also has your documentary, which is an observation of that. And by the way, the folks, the documentary is in post-production, so you must help these guys get this finished. Go to reconstructingannie.com. They're getting some help from NIFA, so if you see that, you can donate through NIFA on that website. But you should help out because this is going to be a fucking amazing <laughs> documentary. So you kind of, um, you had a meta, you have a meta experience, and you have a meta so you are we're our friends with Matt and Ellie, so you got to observe them. And then you got to observe how they uh worked with the actors, and then you got to observe the actors acting and acting within themselves. So how is that? Um well, <clears throat> it's a challenging uh way of filming something, I would say. Um so, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite challenging uh, to film, to try to capture so much, especially when it was happening so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we designed things so that we couldn't miss a beat. We had, I mean, thanks to the, the volunteers, so many people were willing to, to hang out with us every weekend and see this through without them. It was absolutely not possible. Um, and uh, I, I keep... Actually, I bring it up in my class. I sometimes teach filmmaking at DCTV mm-hmm. uh, downtown. And um, I bring this up where, like, it's so complicated the way that we were getting audio. It really tripped us up, which I think speaks to, like, how co- complicated the production was. Oh, so, mm-hmm. like, where we, we you know, the, the heart of what we wanted was between takes, uh, between their takes. Right, 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 right. right. And then, but, like, we had so <laughs> many mics. We had so many mics going on, so many cameras on different people that we... Uh, you know, it wasn't enough that we're like filming their production. We had to film with, you know, between, between their takes. So, uh, we would, we didn't want them to cut their audio. So we like had to figure out a way to, so at some point, none of our technology was making that work. And we were like writing by hand timestamps of like where that ended. And so it's kind of a, it was kind of, it's kind of a, a mess in terms of production, but we somehow kept it together with everyone's help and kept things organized. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and Did you learn a lot of technique there? New well, we de- learned design technique, new technique? In, in terms of collaborating with each other. We learned, you know, different mechanisms on the first day. In fact, we had a catastrophe, which, you know, um, you learn, you just learn from those mm-hmm. mistakes. And we definitely rolled with the punches. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So as far as like, um, I mean, I like to talk about relationships. So and people and people interacting with other people. So just from that point of view, would it, what what stood out in your mind? Would it be like that? Just the thing that might have like felt emotionally loudest was it the relationship with the between the old people, the relationship between the filmmakers, the relationships between the filmmakers, or 
and the old people or what how would can can you talk to like what the highlights of the of the interactions there's, yeah. there's some piece um one I, it really it brings up this topic of like what does it mean to update a woody allen film mm-hmm. today <laughs> which was the you know conflicting thing in my mind uh, as much as i appreciate those films and grew up with them um to give any lip service uh to woody allen at this time seemed inappropriate for me but then when you see beyond that, um, I, we, we saw a real opportunity to update things. Wait, I want to get um, this out um, because it, Woody just, Allen is a... I just want to know yeah. your point of view, both of you. Because so Woody Allen's a, it's an elephant in the room. Woody Allen is a controversial figure because he said some nasty shit and he did some nasty shit, supposedly. So what about separating the art and the artist? Or what, 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 what's your point of view on the whole Woody Allen thing? Just briefly. Uh, I, it's really, I mean, Woody Allen also becomes, when you see Andy Hall, you see Woody Allen and, uh, a lot of his attitudes become apparent in the Andy Hall script itself. Like you can notice things written in the script or through the dynamic of him having the interior monologue that dominates the whole narrative of the relationship, um, rather than giving Andy any kind of autonomy for her, herself. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of speaks for itself as in terms of like polarizing gender, um, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't right. take away the nervous comedy was like a brand new thing that Woody Allen brought, right? But also, um, it was a product of that time. Exactly, can't forget about that, right? Right, and we are coming to this cultural conversation of. Mm-hmm. When things were okay once are no longer mm-hmm. okay now. So are you okay with him or are you No. You're you weren't okay with him going into making the film. Um Woody Allen, I think uh But you, were you able to separate the art from the artist? Uh in other words, like your respect for the you have respect for the film, you must, or you wouldn't have done this. Yeah, yeah, of course. I I, I in to some degree I can I feel I'm able to separate the art from the artist, but we have to like hold people accountable. Right. And I think in certain circumstances too too in Hollywood like where people are financially benefiting from any promotion of their work like quite right. literally, quite literally. Um that's my worry that this film doesn't do that. And I don't think it has the capability to do that. Right. I mean Woody Allen's but, churning out films every year and we're not gonna stop him. So that uh, would have been And it's the not conflict. the point either, like of mm-hmm. our film necessarily. Uh we do want to hold him accountable as a person and his actions. Mm-hmm. Um but uh but part we, of one of the ways we can do that is by understanding like the script as much as we can. And mm-hmm. when we do update it, we get to um you know, print to context things like what, like why is this behavior so bad? There are people mm-hmm. who will not understand that. But it sounds also like you kind of were able to get past that because the film had such the film that you were making Other had such a unique qualities. and positive, extremely positive. In terms of so intergenerational like it a, learning, it has a lot. So there. it sounds yeah. to me like that was a background thing. Also to for this project, right? Yeah, it, well, it comes down to the process. Mix? It comes yeah. down to the process of working, like, with a scene, with an elderly community. Uh, it could have been any film. Uh, right. it happened to be Annie Hall was the script that they chose, and that's more the focus of Reconstruction right. Annie. Okay, cool. So, what about the relationships then? In Oh, the point to be there made too is that, uh, Harry has never even seen Annie Hall. So, oh, Harry, the, the... Who play, he, he plays, uh, 
Woody Allen's character, Alvy, mm-hmm. in the movie, um, in the remake. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's till this day has never seen mm-hmm. Annie Hall. So we have we have Matt Starr <clears throat> and Ellie Sachs who are co-directing, and uh, Harry Miller and Sheila Sharnick are the actors of My Annie Hall. Mm-hmm. The stars. Yeah, the stars. How many old people were in the film? Uh, I think including the extras, there were about uh, 12 to 14. That's a large cast yeah, to work with. Decent size workshop mm-hmm. class. Yeah. How did they get along with each well, other? They're amazing. They, they were so much fun to hang out with. Those were the best times that I had really? just hanging like, out with them and not like? stressing out. What were they like? Um, well, we can just, talk about Earl. Yeah, Earl is a big character in my mind. Um, yeah, do you want to talk? No, go for it. I mean... Hmm. Uh, Earl's a tax man. He's an accountant. Um, he lives up. He lives like Upper East Side. Is he retired? So yeah, he's retired. retired. Um, he's I, a very well dressed man. Always very well dressed. Yeah, very I mean, well mannered. At least in his seventies. Uh, I'd say that, I, I don't want to. I don't want to so, miscalculate, but I'm not late seventies, early eighties. <laughs> could be. Could be. I have no idea. Okay. That, Re- retirement age. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I was getting a haircut in the Lower East Side, and he was sitting on a bench, like dressed to the tees, going to some acting class um, with a rose for the teacher. <laughs> and like, Get out! He's quite a gentleman, and he's the, uh, and it's not just Earl; they're all very energetic, and they have a thirst for life that really flips the script on what it, aging means, you know, or what really? it means to what be it, elderly. What, what 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 does that mean? Describe. Well, I, these people aren't just you know, uh, they're active. They're they're active. So uh, did, did that change your stereotype of old people? Does it seem unusual or how, how what do you mean by active? Uh, I think like in the, some ways, uh, some of these elderly people uh, are doing more with their day than I do in my own day. Yeah. yeah. So it's inspiring that way that you can have such a busy, active, creative, art focused life. Um, yeah. And it really sets the tone for like, you know, this is how spending your days can be like. It's not about um, mm-hmm. losing ability. I guess aging does have a connotation of losing ability or losing capacity. Um, there's mm-hmm. a sense of loss with age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but every time we met with this community, they were just giving and giving so much. And they had jokes and st- stories and were game to take on anything that the production required them. Yeah. So they were very upbeat, mm-hmm. very positive. Very outgoing. Uh, I think there's a sense in in the United States, the Western world, uh, where we, um, you know, we don't have value for elderly people or they don't have a place in, in society or something like this where... Uh, I, I lived in Asia for four years, so right. it's quite right, because different. Because he, he did a project with a Fulbright scholarship to Cambodia... But, but, first master's degree first. and b- before i did that i did like work with the intergenerational learning center at temple university and ah, mm-hmm. got to learn about asian cultures and how what a s- strong place um grandparents role they play right in the family which is completely lost in the united states it's like mm-hmm. shipped off to of florida mm-hmm. um I-, I think it's such a loss mm-hmm. for society um yeah I would agree. Like I even noticed that in my own life, uh, just seeing how much of a priority Matt and Ellie made uh, Harry and Shula in their lives. Like they would make sure they had rehearsals every day right before production mm-hmm. um, to serve memory. Like this is how we can best enhance memory. Um, and even taking the stars out for diner lunches and dinner and mm-hmm. visiting them on their birthdays. Um, it seems sort of like, 
you know, outward love. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely took for granted for like the, the older people in my life who are close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me realize in the ways that I might have taken them for granted. Mm-hmm. So it, they really showed me how to be attentive to the people who are available in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've started like videos keeping my grandmother oh, really? without her so realizing. Me to do that. Wow. Um, she won't listen to this episode, so she's she Whoa. still won't know. But yeah, where when? Oh, she, uh, right. Yes. So because it involves the internet. So um, <laughs> how often do you see her? Or where does she live? Uh, she lives up in Ottawa, Canada. Um, I see her usually around the major holidays, but like that right. is, that right. speaks to what I'm saying is like mm-hmm. reserving family only for the, the major mm-hmm. holidays. Mm-hmm. So working on this film changed your perspective. In terms of, yeah, not taken for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, she has some wild stories. Like if you really <laughs> dig in there, dig in there. So did uh is this group though the Lennox Hill old people group is that a self-selecting group do you think those people are a little more like why do people go to that group cuz my this is interesting to me because I always think those old people group are for the feeblest and the feeble people go and hang out there doing their feeble crafts crafts Well or I mean, what, what is the what is the what is the uh mission of that group is really what I'm asking I think mm. Do you know, or maybe it's not about I know they've it's been, not acting. I know is it acting? Uh, I think that's a component all, of some. All, I, I, the, the little bit that I do know about the neighborhood uh, house, Lennox Hill, is that they've been there since the late 1800s. I know they've been like of great value to the but neighborhood. But it's all old people, right? I, I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to, to mm-hmm. whether so or not. it's probably a bigger organization than I'm imagining. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're involved in a lot of great things. That's uh, in to know Upper about. Side and- they're, I know they have a lot of um, emphasis on uh, longevity revolution. Like, the longer we live, it could be like um, a really, really positive experience. Um, speaking with Jessica, who runs the Lennox Hill neighborhood house, she's um very keen on making sure that the arts are alive for people mm-hmm. who are older yeah. and that arts are alive in general mm-hmm. um so it i wasn't present when matt and ellie first met her but it makes sense to me that she mm-hmm. would be so embracing of this idea mm-hmm. because matt and ellie were actually faced with quite a bit of resistance oh really from yeah the, they had the organization? places or from, from organizations that they wanted to uh facilitate these workshops at Oh, so it was really hard to find the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Lennox Hill Neighborhood House is one of those places that is willing to take risks like that. And now oh. you, you see the value that it, it adds. See, that's interesting because I don't even consider that taking a risk. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like know. I've got a program that would be great for some old people and you expect everybody would be, yay, let's do it. But no. I think part of it, too, maybe for what I've gathered from conversations is that you know, Matt and I observe that Matt and Ellie are, are very talented at what they do and like they were able to energize people around that workshop. Whereas I think historically in the past organizations have uh, tried to do those things and they usually fall apart. Oh, cause yeah, with any group, with any group, if you're not ex- making it exciting, I don't care, you know, children yeah, are probably worse. And Ellie has a background <laughs> as well in facilitating workshops uh, using, I think theater and prisons and, um, oh, other yeah. sort of. So did you feel like the, the old people were limited as far as actors or were there any special, did it feel like you're, were you were you aware of like you were no. working with non professional actors? They're not. That's correct. 
Uh-huh. I mean, to some extent, I think that a lot of them have some experience acting but as well. But not really professionals. But was it Well, different? no, but like uh, Alvy, or the character Alvy, who's Harry in real life, um, he was a set designer for um, Mr. Kangaroo and I think oh, As wow. the World Turns. And uh, or, Guiding or, Light. Or Guiding Light. Yeah. Right. Um, so he was used to seeing acting, being around acting. He's been around, yeah, a lot of... Yeah, and Schuler has, like, comfortably been performing as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so... And they're Being all private camera in the arts while at Lenox Hill as well. They're uh, paint. That's part of what we show in their daily life is, uh, you know, taking free classes at NYU, uh, which I, I think still exists at a certain mm-hmm. age uh, for New York residents. Um, they're taking advantage of all of that. They're painting. They're taking photographs. Uh, this is mm-hmm. we're not joking. They're, they are. No, I'm, I'm hearing you. Definitely more active than are I they, am. <laughs> are they in touch with current uh you know contemporary culture i mean that's another stereotype i have about old contemporary people. yeah like oh, they don't they like don't are, like are they aware well, about roseanne and all this stuff and have they heard well, of kanye west email's a little tough like it's been tough yeah um so they're not technologically so, if i'm making observation technologically yeah. i mean you know they're not tweeting uh-huh. uh, but you know who's tweeting that like, even uh Harry will email, and it's like yeah. the most well composed email. I mean, he's like sincerely, Harry Miller. Right. Four um, years older than my grandmother, and you know my grandmother won't yeah. use a computer. So this is right. this is rare. I mean, in my experience, right, like, right, right. Um, but yeah, uh, they definitely do not live their lives on the internet. They're very out in public space, meeting other which people. Which is another level to this because I think this is you know something that doesn't work for our, us millennials, like. Uh, how much we may be on social media, I so, you get to see the opposite of that. So what, yes. what did you, what did you see? What did, what was the di- how old were you guys when you got um like when you got on like you know uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook? How old? Like high school? I was like the first on Friendster. <laughs> and what year was that? In, uh, I mean, were you in high school? Or no, I what? was the second. I was a junior in college. Oh, so you're not. Yeah, that's not that. But I, but what, I was in a I was in AIM chat rooms at. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. MSN Messenger. Well, you're pre- well, you're very you're obviously precocious and technical. You guys are you know. But that was normal. That was like 1995, uh, 96, yeah. like AOL dial up. So this is like preteen ish, like right. But it's not um, rural. It doesn't. We're rule the, the first. World. Yeah, we're the first generation to remember like a childhood without right. Or you the know, last generation. You're yeah, the last generation. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's perspective there. But um. So what do you what do what do you, you can call. <laughs> what what <laughs> makes um. So what do you think is different? Like, did, did it make you more aware of how social media and the phone and all that stuff controls your lives? Uh, there's a convenience that comes with it for sure. Um, and it, it certainly shaped social things. It has. Because, you yeah. Know, that's. Because you can't, yeah. like, now we live on the fly. You just figure things out. But with working with Harry and Shuler, if we wanted to meet up with them, we'd have to communicate <laughs> five days in advance and, like, arrange times to be on the phone. And it was a lot more pigeons. intentional. And you made an appointment and you didn't break it. Uh-huh. Um, so that was something that was very... Well, no. was that, like, concrete? You know, it's like, I mean, that's the... I remember, I remember what it's like having to meet somebody somewhere, like, on a street corner at a certain time. And if you right. weren't there... You yeah, didn't look, see that person. Like. Sure, I remember losing a friendship <laughs> that way because I had to work late. No kidding. So uh, I'm sorry. They're still that. living that very much. I think mm-hmm. that's my point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How about physical? But it could also speak for how 
busy in their lives are. They are yeah. thinking yeah. ahead. They are feeling their week before they love it. Yeah. Right. And how about um, physical limitations? Did they seem very physically limited? Did they get tired? Were they not able to? Yeah. Uh, Harry, sure. Yeah. But Harry, Harry I think with any some. person, like you, like you have to think about how stressful a production environment can be, even for an evil body. Yeah. Whatever age it is, it can be very Without taxing. even putting it into some age perspective, it's like just those summer days that we started production on were very hot. Um, like 90. Yeah. Uh, like 90, uh, you know, in the heat in New York. Um, right. You got popsicles a safe and they melted place. immediately. We learned on the first day of production that Harry had a pacemaker, right. um, which interferes with um, audio. <laughs> uh. um, and, you know, but and it was, you know, then you start to realize how, I know Matt, especially Matt, um, felt a, a huge onus on a, a responsibility for people's well-being and health. Well, mm-hmm. like a, he was, he's stressing out like a, like a Jew, like I was stressing out a lot about, so, but, but he was specifically stressing out about that and worried about that, mm-hmm. you know, about like Harry's, he actually, hot out, you know. Yeah, he actually lops that to make sure that he had a portable fan that could be ready at any wow, time. That's pretty awesome. But I guess that's true in a certain way when you're working with, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't think about it, but I guess if you're a director, producer, you would naturally think about that with any, um, especially non-professionals, because non-professional, there's a certain um, stamina that any, any actor has to have to be on a movie set, right? Yeah. And if you're dealing with non-professionals of any sort, they don't necessarily have that sort of stamina. Yeah, and that's true. That's So you'd have to think about that with... There were a lot of professional... I would say there was uh, several professional people on on set like that, you know, that understand that. But there were also a lot of volunteers that were working with us because cause this was an exchange of, you know, opportunity and, and uh, sure. experience. Yeah. Great where, imagine. you know, but managing that becomes stressful. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. How did you feel about um, uh, Ellie and, and Matt? Um, how did they, did you, did you learn stuff? Was there anything like where you thought, oh, you know, that they were pushing them or that, how did you feel or that they were, they, they were more sensitive? Did you learn? What did you, how was that? Like, did you learn stuff from them, good and bad? Uh, it doesn't have to be all good. It can be good. It can be mostly good. It can be a little good. <laughs> are you are you talking about how they, how they ran a set? How, yeah, how they ran a set, really. I think mm. they were very prepared. Um, yeah. I was just going <clears> to <throat> add a minute ago, uh, while production's really hectic, I, it was very clear by the schedule that they built um, that was within capacity um there would often be notes about like who's arriving when and like what to watch out for uh we were privy to those notes because we need to coordinate our productions with theirs Mm -hmm. um so i think that they were incredibly diligent and they also worked with really good producers who um it wasn't even a question it was like a non-issue like this this type of diligence was going to be part of the production Mm-hmm. So they were really experienced. It sounds like first film. No, <clears throat> they, uh, no. I mean that's their first film. Um, but they, yeah, echoing everything that Bria just said, uh, they came to the table correct and and really aligned themselves with with professional people. 
So they knew how to be experienced in a way. They knew how to, mm-hmm. they knew what to look for. They may mm-hmm. not have done it, but they've been on yeah. sets. They knew what they Yeah, were. no, so and you, you know, that's you, not they, entirely they true. They like, they, they have were. filmmaking, like, Matt has filmmaking experience. Uh, Ellie has, like, stage uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And I think the combination of the two, the first, like, um, uh, you know, short film of that magnitude, um, yeah, mm-hmm. they did a fantastic job. So have you uh, have you uh, maintained relationships with any of these old people? Or I mean, it's a pro- big. <clears throat> I mean, not that you would necessarily, but if well, I because yeah, they're I, actors, no, <laughs> or I, whatever. Act, you know, I know. Set, I mean, it's, it's more part of my it. practice. Like when I make when I collaborate, it's a collaboration really with social actors or filmmakers to make a documentary and. Um, those are people that are in your life forever. Oh, right. <laughs> because you're making a documentary. I may not see them every week. but So did you feel like you were making a documentary about, like, there must be a balance then. Was the documentary about um, Ellie and Matt, or was it about the old people more? Was it where, it's a, where it's was the balance? It's very distinctly about the process, I think. It's about them. It is, in a sense, a true making of film, where... Um, we we do like uh, focus on each of the four characters to get to know them and their histories. Um, meaning, meaning the two, the two, the the two directors and the stars. Is that what you mean by the yeah. four? Yeah. So there's two actors and two two yeah. directors. Yeah, we do become yeah. very interested in They're each all one of them. Actors. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Because because what happens on set that. Um, it's worthwhile is they constantly are teaching each other and commenting on each other. So, um, you know, Sheila is, has incredible world experience. Um, and she will say something really interesting on set and we're like, Whoa, what's that about? And even still trying to pin her down for a conversation we don't get the full story, but, um, we do try to spend time with each person to get more depth, to what we're observing on site. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We hang out with uh, with Harry at his at his house. He shows us a lot of, and talks stories about his life. Um, interesting work, you know, in design um, on sets. And we take trips with like Shula to Governor's Island. Um, wow. And she, she likes to go there for mm-hmm. um, environmental like reasons and, and mm-hmm. activities and stuff. And it's, it's fun to get to learn about folks on camera. Um, and then, yeah. Did you forget that, the, that you were with old people when, in those situations or no, uh, maybe not? I don't, I, I don't, I'm not sure I mean, if I ever. Did they ever feel put... like you're with peers at any point or? Kind of. No, no? I definitely, no, Shula. I was definitely part of my place. No, oh. I, was, I was never going to be at Sheila's level. Oh. Sheila? Why? She sounds a little arrogant, maybe. Not arrogant. She's just very knowledgeable. Yeah. And she lets you know. But they were also wanting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. I but mean, what are you? Yeah. I mean, I like that person. I like have fun. You know, like hanging out with her. She's fun. I think she. We talk. Actually, I, maybe I disagree because you like, got along with her better. I don't. Well, we just like <laughs> get into you know things about life and stuff. We've had talks that were like deeply meaningful. She's curious about like my life. Mm-hmm. I think she's genuinely curious about my experiences. So in that sense, you know, I, I guess it's not like a 
you know, it's, it's like having a peer who's an elder. And that's, that is something that is just so normal that you don't have to really think about. Mm. And it, like, so do you think you both as individuals have different relationships with old people? Do you think it comes from your grandparents? It's possible. Yeah. I, so I what mean, was your, so, so you both have living grandparents, right? Uh, I have one living grandparent left. Yeah. And, and She's what's awesome. your, you're, so you're, it's <laughs> a grandmother. My yeah. My, I call her my Oma. <laughs> your Oma. She's awesome. She's uh, from Munich, but, um, yeah, she lives outside Miami now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're really close with her. I can see folks, his face lights up a little. He lives. Oh uh, yeah. She's person. like my favorite person in the world. And, <laughs> and ha- this is so sweet. It's so sweet. You must, uh, Sheila must've gotten a taste of that. <laughs> and, and how about you, Bria? Um, I, well, you have, have your grandmother in Canada. Yeah. Well, I have, I have eight sets of grandparents. Oh, so like every grandparent sets yeah. of living grandparents. Well, some are living and some are not. Oh man, that's way too many. Yeah. So like having older people in my life was very oh. um, present yeah. at all times. Oh. Uh, but it, yeah, it was every, uh, my parents' parents both divorced and remarried. So it's really made a huge extended family. Where mm-hmm. It's awesome. Um, oh, you like that? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, such interesting people in different towns. Um, yeah. But uh, there must, so, so you like the old people, but do you see them? You, I mean, there must be so many of them. Like, like Chris has a chance to really get to know his grandmother because that's all he's got. But you, how do you do with, you know, how, maybe you didn't get to be that, that close intimately with any particular one. Well, it was the very first grandchild. So I think that might have like put me in a different light. Like I have to be more successful or something like that. I don't know. And they then, put pressure on you. A little bit. Yeah. Really? Like, what do you mean? Well, my brother's younger than me and he has, he's on his second house right now. Jesus. And what uh, does that mean? Buying his second? He owns two homes? What do you mean? Uh, he sold the first and he bought his second. You mean he flipped it? He's he, made, oh, he, he made it sound like equity. you made it sound like he had two houses. That's not fair. No, no. <laughs> I see, Bri, the, thing, the real truth is Bree is very hard on herself and she's hard working. That's, ah. that's what's going on here. And you're more easygoing. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> ah, because you got more reinforcement. Jewish boy. You're like my brother. See, I'm projecting this right onto you. Well, uh, see, that's how it goes. Anyway, let me let me tell you about Radio Free Brooklyn again because it's a great radio station. It is so fabulous, and you're listening to it right now. And you're listening to Doctor Lisa gives a shit, and I'm giving a shit right now about Chris Rogie and uh, Bree. Uh, I'm gonna call there. I got it right off the right of my head, off right off the top of my head, and we're talking about the meta documentary they made called Reconstructing Harry about uh, Reconstructing Annie 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 Harry about a remake of Annie Hall with old people by another couple and they made the documentary (laughs) about about the Annie Hall movie that's all I'm telling you if you can't get it by then you got to start from the beginning on this so uh, anyway, why don't you go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate and uh, give us some money. Give us some money because, uh, you know, the government is slashing everything and we need to, like, get our voices heard, for God's sakes. 
least I need to get my voice heard. This is what I'm doing. So anyway, I want to, and I want to hear back from you too. So it's a two-way street. So uh, how have your how's your uh, feeling about getting old? What do you guys individually? What do you think about getting old? What do you think about? Are you afraid of it? Do you feel like do you feel like it's never going to happen? I'm not afraid of death, but I'm I don't want to get old. Like what? What's your, what's your fear? <laughs> I don't get older. Um, maybe those typical stereotypes we're trying to smash with this documentary, like that it's, um, how did you put it? You said, uh, you know, that uh, you can't, you're not active, the opposite of being active or just like, passive. yeah, passive or not having capacity, I think is what you said. Uh, those things are frightening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're afraid you're going to just turn into like a disheveled, decrepit old coffee, guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And does your experience with your grandmother, is she a little bit... She's is, active. She's She inspires me, actually. She recently um, broke her hip and had surgery. Wow. Um, she's like How old? 93. She wow. was born in 28. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, and she recently lost um, her husband, my grandfather, died of uh, dementia. Uh, a couple years ago, so mm-hmm. was kind he of, in his nineties? He was not. He was in his late uh, late eighties. Yeah, uh, he was younger. Um, old, but old. Yeah, he, died old. Uh, sure. Yeah, that's like pretty old. I don't really know if I want to live that long, to be honest. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think like you know, it's it's you don't get to choose. I'm still yeah. You don't get to choose. That's the thing. That the, that's what bothers <laughs> me. And it's just going to happen either way. And I, I don't like that lack of control. Mm-hmm. There's also like, a, <laughs> yeah, lack of control. I mean, is that part of what it's disturb? It's disturbing. Well, you know, I'm, I'm vegan now, so I'm preparing myself. I'm Are getting you? ready for this. Yeah. Do you think like, do you, do you, does that, do you think about that? Do you think like, am I taking good care of myself? So I'll age well. Uh, no, I think my generation was scammed and I better prepare for my future because ah, we won't have those protections. Yeah. Right. Is there anything, um, about what, what, like, you know, I mean, you guys aren't, you guys are full grown adults. So is there anything like if, if I said, uh, so what, what do you worry about aging now? Do you, would you say like, oh, I saw some gray hair or there's a wrinkle. Is there anything you feel like you're aging? <laughs> You're not aging yet. See, Bray is a little younger. Oh, than he me. deflected. Yeah. He deflected. This is dot. You can't deflect. I'm on this. I I am the one getting gray hairs. That's true. Do you worry about that? Are you like I, conscious of it? Well, I think it's easier for men, right? Because I can just like shrug it off. I guess. No. But like, it's, well, it's, it does it, bother can, me. Can you, to see? me, it's a signal of me losing control, yeah. of aging, or see? or youth. Yeah. 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 And how about you, Bray? Uh, what was the question again? I'm saying, <laughs> I, I'm asking you if there's anything. Well, I was asking you uh, if you're afraid of getting old, and then I guess we got into. I also so answer that, and then I want to know if there's anything uh, that you personally see about aging in yourself. Uh, so I so actually you, haven't pitched myself older at all, which I think might be an act of denial. Um, but yeah, like wrinkles like bandy like i do buy the anti-wrinkle cream you do um, you do that's so i interesting. do and i'm i'm She's totally perfect, duped folks. by the system of like forever beauty um <laughs> so do you worry about um physical you worry about losing your looks uh sure but um i look at the older woman in my life and like like how 
that they have embraced it and how graceful they look. Um, so I look forward to that. They're in great shape. They have great bodies um, and they have a full head of hair. And I kind of like feel like that's my insurance. Like my genes are signed me up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, so, vanity, so, vanity is the biggest thing. But um, I haven't thought about losing control because I feel like I still need to learn how to take advantage of my youth still. Really? What do yeah. you mean? Like doing everything possible to my day. I don't think I take advantage of enough. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And yeah. you're probably, is she really busy all the time? I don't know what she's talking about. She's so busy. Yeah, right? <laughs> because she's paranoid. <laughs> You've got to self, she has not enough self-esteem. She definitely doesn't. I don't know about uh, you, Chris. I'm not me? sure. You might I'm be okay. typical self-deprecating Jew, yeah. No, but you might be okay. <laughs> this That's all of a sudden. This Brie person needs some more self-esteem, though. Okay, I'll buy that with my anti-wrinkle cream. But but you know what? The thing is, maybe that's also pushing you and, you know, helping you with your overachievingness. Is Brie an overachiever a little bit? Or you both are? Very ambitious, the two of you. I think, I'm, I think we share ambition. Yeah, we met yeah. in grad school together. Yeah, so you're both very <laughs> ambitious, push each other. That's how come you work together. You know, I want to point out here that it's actually really interesting, um, the stereotypes that you both have fulfilled uh, it, it, when I asked you about um, how you look. Poor, poor filmmakers? About, that no. One, I would, no. no. <laughs> about how uh, you're worried about aging because why uh, Chris here is a little worried about be- losing control and being decrepit, you are worried about, you, Brie, are worried about your physical beauty. And, and maybe this is why we make art, is to like teach ourselves to not be part of the culture that we inherit. Right, but but isn't it, don't you find it really, uh, I find it really interesting because, uh, you know, this is something that bothers me as an old lady, and I'm I'm in my 60s. Did you know that? I'm in my 60s. I, everybody that listens to the show more than once knows that because I can't shut up about it. <laughs> I'm not going to hide it. But um, the thing is, is that uh, with feminism over the years, I have, the cot that under the the topic of feminism uh women have gotten worse about being worried about their appearance not better and i'm really really disappointed in all of us because of that and the pressure that women have to look good and look young look young look good so uh i just want to put that out there so we can all get a little more awareness on that absolutely um there's also like a great deal of body positivity and um like appreciating like while i may look young i have like a scar over my lip and like some freckles and like i see those as like positive beauty attributes i don't well, see bad. them as uh defective um and well, if i was good. still mired in their conventional ideas of beauty i would not consider myself beautiful by that you know right but i also think that women are being held back by their focus on physical appearance because it's kind of um we shouldn't all be required to carry that banner of having to be good looking that that uh, at a certain standard like that we we are just like and body positivity actually drives me crazy um the concept because it's saying I feel good about my body, but it still has a defensiveness to it and we shouldn't be I mean ideally That's a good point. 
ideally, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying I'm any better. I mean, God knows my hair's colored, for God's sakes. But uh, don't go to Texas with red hair. They can't shut up about it, by the way. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just, or that I don't get, I'm not, that I don't give a shit. I'm just saying, you know, we got to get past that because we want, it's holding us back. So, Chris, you have a girlfriend, right? How long have you been with your girlfriend? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Should I ask her? Yeah. It's a commitment issues here, I can tell. <laughs> so does she, what about her, what about, does she, do you feel like she worries about getting old, her physical appearance, or what? And, what's your perspective from knowing her? If I, like, enthusiastically say no, is that bad? Uh, <laughs> no, she actually, um, though, I think, it's easy for her to be beautiful. Like she doesn't, I don't think she actually does place such an emphasis on physical beauty. Like I think she maybe uh, used to, but uh, I think as she's getting older, I think she's really focused on other things in life that like bring her happiness. And she's already like hooked up. So she doesn't have to worry about finding a guy. Sure. You know, that, that's true, because that's because women, right? You, women, I mean, I know women that over time, they have a really hard time giving giving up trying to attract men if they're not in a relationship at any age. Yeah, well, uh, the, the one thing I just want to add, like, joking about physical appearances and all, my mother actually was, like, an incredible role model in terms of, like, she is self-sufficient like she can fell a tree wow. like cut wood um repair a car she worked in tobacco fields um when we first started wearing makeup it was like mascara that was like the same color as your eyelashes like she was not interested in putting forward any idea that you needed to enhance your looks um I think uh, where I'm coming from in terms of like skin is just like skin is a sign of time passing, but it's also like I smoke, I drink, I don't take care of myself. Uh, so like I'm trying to do a little magic eraser uh, on like how I'm taking care of myself. Oh my God, a smoker. I don't think I've had one of those in here and you know, I, I don't, can't even imagine. That's so old school. This is California. Yeah. So you smoke cigarettes. Amsterdam shag. What's that mean? It's a rolly. Anyway, but point being is like, um, yeah, uh, it, like to what Chris is describing, like um, of his girlfriend and other people, like just like how you fill your day is like what's most important. Like you can be beautiful by your actions. Like, Oy. that sounds idealist. That, I'm way too. No, thank you for saying that. And I get it. I'm just like, I'm just going to say, but, like, Lisa, I'm way too cynical for that. That's why you're here. This is beautiful and beautiful show. <laughs> oh, right? shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Uh, so uh, what was I going to say? Um, so Bree smokes. That's interesting. So, Chris, do you see Bree smoking a lot? What do you? What's your thoughts on that? Does she? I think it's a terrible habit. Yeah. And ha it's, have you guys not <laughs> innocent? Do you smoke, too? I, I. You bum a cigarette off of her. Never. Yeah, he bums all the time. <laughs> Does he bite? Does he smoke regularly? I mean, like he's he really like good really at shaming people for the same things that he cigarettes? does himself. <laughs> really, that's so annoying. Jesus. It's so annoying. So annoying. And he's laughing. But I'm vegan now. So. No, you know what? You're. I don't even buy that now. I don't even trust you <laughs> on being vegan. Right. <laughs> I don't know. what it. So You can cheat. That's the trick. Sometimes. 
See, isn't that funny? So <laughs> that's because your grandmother loves you. <laughs> And you feel like whatever, you have such a much, you are so, you guys are really, really different in your levels of self-acceptance, I think. Well, I've only got to know you just now. I, I know, I'm <laughs> that, well, I'm just a, you know, I mean, I, I have no formal training. That's, I just spew what I think. <laughs> I don't know anything. I'm not pretending I do. No, I think you have really different levels of self-acceptance. So can I ask if that comes up? Do you, are, do you agree with me? Does that make sense? I mean, I think it's typical male-female stuff, too. Did you get along with your family, Chris? Um, yeah, I mean, I have nothing to complain about. My Did family. you get a lot Only. of reinforcement? Mm-hmm. Your parents thought you were doing... My parents told me I could do anything I ever wanted to do. See? Like a proper zenial. Jewish. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, it's like my brother. My parents <laughs> hated me and they loved my brother. They thought he was God. and I. So I'm just projecting. But that's okay. So uh, we're still friends, right? Of course. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's going on well, here? I mean, we're getting to be friends. <laughs> we're still going to be friends after this. Yeah. Okay. So, Brie, what kind of, did you get, how were your parents with you? Were they, like, not good enough, or were they, like, that's great, or what kind of encouragement? Well, your uh, parents were divorced. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was later in life. Uh, uh, my parents are great. Did they encourage you? Yeah, I think they found, like, it helped me find things that I really like to do. And Did you have a hard time finding things that you like to do? What do you mean by that? Uh, I, I think, like, yeah, no, like, my parents were really young, like, my mom was 23, my parents, my dad was 22 when they had me, I was the first child, so I think, like, a lot of the things growing up for me as a child were, like, much more challenging for a lot of reasons that I'm not going to mention here, but, um, because your parents were too young to handle it. Well, they dealt with more than just having a child, you know, like, I was hospitalized at a really young age, and, like... Like they had you to had learn obstacles. They had huge obstacles as parents. Ah. Yeah. So I think like ah. I had the framework of like a lot of like uh, hard work and like seeing. Well, that things makes through. for great art. Seeing your see, that's what that's my husband because I had a lot of obstacles as a kid, and now my husband is also an artist. He's jealous of me for having that because I've got. I'm old enough; it doesn't matter anymore so much because. Yeah, know, but how about you I mean I look back on it like actually I you know I look back on it like wow that whole corporate experience was the obstacle what do you mean <laughs> did you did your parents like not having any real challenges and having a sterile upbringing uh -huh. though it's what boohoo like what am I complaining about but like looking oh, back please. respectively on that it's sort of like gives perspective I think like oh please so so we were no, now we're both uh, i feel like we're ganging up on you but i can't help now we're jealous of you. we're like oh your life is so fucking good it sucks man you have no idea you've got it made but you went to cambodia to find out how difficult life was right i mean partly i mean maybe did you get a perspective there you know sure. more you you know how life can suck more than most of us i won't most, speak for the people right? i certainly think that we, we have, have four minutes developing so world here in america but yeah so tell so. me one challenge that would uh people in cambodia have like what 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 should we be grateful for well uh Running i don't water? know the latest statistics but you know um more than half the population lives on less than a dollar a day so. right but how does that what does that look like what did you see there did you well you know actually it looks like a lot of happiness sometimes people can be happy in their life without material 
Thanks. What? <laughs> Liar. Yeah. There's a great meme I love that came out a couple years ago, and it's just like it's in Africa. There's some kids dancing in the uh, in the <clears throat> mud or rain, I think, and it says like in Africa every sixty seconds a moment passes. It's just like. Um, but, so so you so you saw <laughs> what, so you saw like what good values are that they come from like other humans and not owning crap. Yeah, so right? a lot crap of things gets in the way right? that maybe gave me perspective on like a corporate, you know, kind of upbringing. That's you had a corp. That's interesting how you refer to your upbringing. Did, yeah. did, did were you from a, a solidly upper middle class family? Like what, Bree? <laughs> Go on. I mean, I wouldn't say that. But. What? What? I mean, uh, it's not. It's <laughs> what not. Is your sure. I mean, does your father own an oil company or something? No, it's not. It's not something like that. What? What? No, but well, my dad you? works for Bristol Myers Squibb. So in the growing up, they work in the agricultural industry and then pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, my pa- my parents for other, you know, were are working class. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't go to college. Uh, oh, they didn't. Yeah. So oh, like they. So come on. So they worked hard uh, their whole life. What they have, but it was definitely in the oh, a very corporate context you, in oh, Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, because they were part of a corporation that took care of them. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to give you a pass on the corporate thing. I think that you had a lot of corporate culture, but I, so you had stability and you had health insurance, but I don't think that's necessary. I think maybe it's more like suburban, like suburban America. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Connection, like family connection, life. I think is lost in, in in a sort of sterile everyday life of corporatism. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you guys seem like you're from complementary backgrounds in a way, and I think that uh, I can see how you would make a good team. To, from my point of view, I mean, shit, I've known you a whole less than an hour. Well, you got here a little early, so I've known you an hour, and I would say I could see as two artists how you would be good collaborators and probably really good at presenting stuff too i imagine you know what i mean like if i was like what you like if i was gonna like if i had like a million dollars to give to a documentary film (laughs) team i could see you guys trying you know definitely i'd take you seriously so but since (laughs) you don't have a million dollar team i want to make sure that everybody uh goes to their uh their uh website reconstructing com, yeah and uh give them some money give us some money but whatever you have left over give it to <laughs> them because we're we need to stay on the air every day all day and they they you know they're they're young people they're going to get money from somewhere because they're just these do it really for the old bright, fights right yeah yeah bright young people yeah do it okay that's good marketing do it for the old people <laughs> And I also want to make sure that you stay and listen to my friend Elon Danziger. Uh, right after this, he had uh, somebody who has been on my show, Courtney Fallon. I'm not going to get her name right. Courtney Francis Fallon and uh, very, very awesome, interesting young lady. And I might wind up listening myself because I want to see what else she said to him that she didn't say to me. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. 